the blast from our past network. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human, something always watching, something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide if you were haunted for seven winters alone? Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone, a dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook. Welcome to our Patreon-exclusive interview series for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Tonight's interview is with the star of Van, The All-Nighter, and ABC TV's Big Sky. Actor, D.D. Pfeiffer. Ms. Dee Dee Pfeiffer, it is an honor for you to be on Podcasting After Dark with us. Thank you so much. My honor. I'm so excited. You guys invited me. My Turkey, my publicist, his name is Turk, but I call him Turkey. I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do that one. That's for sure. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, I don't know if he told you, but um, we we broke down Vamp from scene by scene. Mm-hmm. Our podcast breaks down movies and we and, and, and we chose Vamp and broke it down scene by scene. So uh, in a very fun way, you know, and, and, oh my gosh, I mean, you, you stole the show in that film. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, that was my baby. I always say vamp. It was my baby before I had babies because um, uh, it was my first starring role. And so it was, that's always a big thing for an actor, you know, yeah. And Emma was just so fun to play. I mean, oh my God, you know, she's uh, Emma. I mean, first of all, how can you not love a character named Amaretto? Yeah, <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and it was like a lot of times on the show, um, you know, sometimes it'll be a new movie for me, like one I had never seen before. And then sometimes vice versa for Zach. Uh, this time I had never seen vamp until i was 43 years old and i can safely say that that movie in 2021 holds up so well it's such a fun ride from beginning to end and honestly we sang its praises for about three three hours straight so thank you my ears were nice and fuzzy that time of of day for no reason (laughs) well I, i was commenting on the fact that your style in that movie like rocks today, you know, uh, like Lady oh. Gaga, I could see, you know, <laughs> yeah. first of all, we're, we're children of the eighties in, yeah. in, in the truest sense, uh, both born in, you know, late seventies or whatever, but, 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 but I, my son who's seven now, like he's very much immersed in eighties stuff because he just kind of goes along with I, what, whatever I'm into, right. As kids do sometimes. And, uh, like the the tiger prince and just the <laughs> everything um did you have any input to your style for that movie uh not really no actually again i was really young i was so excited it's my first starring role 
I felt like I was just kind of going on a moving train. I think everyone else was far more established than me. And then when they said that they were going to make Amaretto's costume, I got nervous. I was like, oh, that's going to be a little weird. But it turned out to be so special and so great. They kind of had to make it because we had the whole like the sleeve going off and the tracking that whole moment, which was so cute. Um, yeah. And then the pants, she like made them. Um, the jacket she made. Yeah, everything on Amarona was made. It was like the designer had this idea. And the same thing with her hair. We yeah. gave me the perm. And then we kind of curled the perm and blew it out, very 80s. And then on the one side, she had a, like an inside out braid that went up and down and up and down and then spiraled down. Very and, in fashion at the moment. Yeah, it was like a concoction <laughs> at the time. You yeah, know, yeah. it was a concoction. Like no one ever had done that, at least at that point that we were aware of. Um, so uh, there was really special, <laughs> the making of Vamp. Have you guys ever seen the making of Vamp? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the story. I mean, there's yeah. the movie, is the making of the darn movie, which is <laughs> a movie in itself. And then you have the movie, which um, thank you for saying that it, it stands up to this day, because that is uh, hugely um, that's flattering, you know, because not a lot of films yeah. can do that. Yeah, and no, that's that little black comedy I did back in the 80s is going to still be talked <laughs> about today. <laughs> well, I think it should I think it should be talked about even more because, um, you know, the fact that From Dusk Till Dawn had obviously was influenced by that. And and it's a movie, like Corey said, it stands the test of time, in my opinion, because it, it's so it, it's it's a it's a snapshot into one night. Uh, you know, we talked to Richard Wank about that. And and I said it had elements of um, after hours to me, a little bit of uh, the, uh, Scorsese's. And and I love that wackiness of like, what could ha what would happen if you're just dropped in the middle of nowhere with these quirky characters? Yeah. You, on the other hand, are very much not like the characters in After <laughs> Hours where, you know, you're not wrapping Griffin Dunn up in a body cast like Linda Fiorentino <laughs> did. But, <laughs> but, you know, you go on this wild adventure and your moment at the end where you're like, okay, have you turned? Have you not turned? Yeah. It just stands out to me. And I, I pointed out on the on the episode how it was on at odd times on like HBO back in the day, right? It would be on at like five in the morning or something. And uh, I remember waking up and, and my mom would uh, get me ready for school and she'd have to be at work by seven. So I'd have to get up with her and, you know, and so I'm, I'm about like 530 and I'm stumbling into the living room, turn the TV on, vamp would invariably be on all the time. Oh, wow. That final scene where you're, you know, you're having to go through the manhole cover and prove that you're not a vampire well forced into it really yeah, and I'm just yeah. Like, what is this movie and i need to see more of it and then i did <laughs> overall after that movie was made you say it's your baby it was your first starring role that's a that's a lot of pressure right um i certainly put a lot of pressure on myself that yeah. is i always i always have and i always did and i'm trying I try not to do that as much now I'm in my fifties because it yeah. takes years off your life. <laughs> you know, and I really have every intention on a hundred. So if I'm going to do that, I got to really get off my own back, get out of my own way. <laughs> so it was everything I was doing was like so important because everything about Emirato had to be on point because I'm the lead and I'm, you know, the, all of this huge responsibility. And at the end of the day, we were having so much fun. That's Chris, great. Yeah. Richard Wang is just the most lovely, funny, talented man. I cannot give him more props for being my very first director that I worked with who um, helped me carry that, that the female lead and what that was like. 
with grace and integrity and humor and um, compassion for all of us because we all got the shit beat out of making that film. I, yeah, we totally. Really did, but it was worth it because at the end of the day, right? We were there to entertain and make a great movie. Yeah. It didn't do what it should have done back then, but it's kind of beautiful that it has its research now. And maybe it wasn't supposed to be huge then. It's supposed to have like a rebirth now, kind of like me. I'm big side. Tuesday night, uh, Thursday nights, AB uh, 10 o'clock. <laughs> keep going. Sell it. Sell it. God, I'm shameless. I will plug plug. I'm not, I need to keep my butt employed, dude. That's <laughs> well, awesome. That, that it, too, I need to say the public eye, right? No doubt. No doubt. And I, and I think that that makes me, uh, that comes to my next question is that, you know, oftentimes when we interview somebody from a movie that they've done, way back when and, and there are times when they're like oh man you want to talk about that movie you know uh yeah. or 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 the or they or they get sad with the idea of that it's a cult classic quote quote unquote um, yeah. because it didn't get the attention it deserved back in the day but oh. i feel like it is now and that's important right oh, that's so interesting i can see how someone might get sad but i never viewed my career like that mm. Do you know what i mean i never said like anytime i would go do a role well there was no such thing as a small role you know I mean, yeah. there's no such things as small, anything. It's as small as you view it to be. So I always thought it's kind of like a multidisciplinary team when you're going to tackle a social welfare issue. You need yeah. a lot of minds coming together to make it happen. And that's a movie. Yeah. I mean, right? I mean, unless you do a one-man show and you and see you and your iPhone. Yeah. That, <laughs> that right? That, yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's, but that's a whole other thing. FAMP is a, a labor of love with all of us and um you know sure would have been nice had it uh been big then but i think somewhere in my youth and my immaturity i must have been okay with it because i find it beautiful now that it has a rebirth i call like me as an actor right now in big sky recycled <laughs> I was hot there for a minute and working and then i disappeared for 10 years went and got a degree and then now i'm back i'm recycled like you know kind of bring it back and you know, just kind of give it a facelift. Well, I kind of do that too, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right? And there was nothing wrong with recycling old goods. I'll <laughs> nope. be doing that more often. So me being um, part of VAMP's uh, kind of coming back and being recycled, I think it's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that we, because, you know, again, we, we do discuss mostly cult movies and everything. And one of the things that we speculate, because we're, we're not there on set, but we speculate some of these movies hold up really well because you can actually feel the enjoyment that everybody had behind the scenes. It, it, it's that X factor that yeah. comes through the, the screen. Everyone was having a good time, no matter what was produced, everyone's having a good time. And you said that, you know, y'all had fun on vamp. Was that the kind of set that it was? Was it a, a relaxed set? I mean, I know you were there to do a job. I know everyone had a, had a process and everything, but it was a fun set, right? Oh my God. We laughed. Because it was, we had a lot of pressure. I'm sure if you saw the making of Vamp, we had issues with, with getting Grace out of the trailer. <laughs> I mean, that's no secret. I'm not throwing her under the bus. I no, love her. No, no. Yeah. I love her. But she didn't, wouldn't come out of the trailer. And it was killing us because we had to get the footage in. 12-hour day, New World Production was going to take the, the movie from Richard if we didn't continue getting shots done. So because we had issues with that 
uh, Chris and I were forced to start filming scenes that we did, weren't prepared for. So mm. we were always on our toes, but we had our laugh our way through it. Like Richard would be like, yeah, yeah, let's get Grace King out of the trailer and we get the movie done. And then Chris would go, yeah, yeah, that's what happened. And Dee Dee like didn't lose 10 pounds in a day and her wardrobe's falling off. You know, and we would just sit and like have so much fun making fun of these real things. Oh, a truck went through the sidewalk. We lost that location. Oh, the whole crew got sick. We lost, you know what I mean? We, we had somebody homeless get sick and sue us. I mean, we gave them food. We had Keith Haring, God bless him, and everyone else who was painting her body. Yeah. All of the artists who were amazing um, never did a film before, so they don't understand scheduling and timing and, you know, time is money. Yeah, <laughs> for, artists, for sure. Why would they, right? Yeah. And we're and so it was kind of busting our uh, kneecap, <laughs> kneecapping us. <laughs> so you know, and we never knew a grace. <laughs> she came out of her dress when she would come out. We <laughs> never knew what she was going to look like. So it was always that moment of, oh, is is she in her costume? Yeah, that's her costume. But it's a coil on each tit and one on the coochie and one on the butt, and she's got a couple on her fingers and her ears or in her neck that, that's her outfit oh okay so maybe she left it in the room nope <laughs> so we were always so we were always on our toes laughing because there was something just really crazy about this the making of this movie that if we weren't laughing we were probably crying because you know we didn't want the film to ever be taken from Richard Chris and I were like we will quit the movie and we're like Richard's like no you're not let's just shut up (laughs) (laughs) anyway we're young and mouthy well we're not gonna let you take our director he's like honey we'll figure it out it'll be fine just keep laughing through it (laughs) we'll get through it Oh, that's awesome. Richard Wink was a very nice guy, very approachable, very cool, cool person. So I can only imagine, uh, uh, you know, being on the set with him. So I love him. I saw him a few years ago, actually, we saw each other for the first time in years. And it was as if we hadn't missed a beat. That's awesome. Yeah. And we just get each other's humor. We just, you know, and like, I'm his baby because I'm like his, I'm Amaretto. And that was, um, I think that Amaretto was really close to his heart when he wrote that role. Well, it it really... Chris's character is great too. And, and yeah. everybody's really well written, obviously, but there's something about your, the, the uniqueness of your role and it stands out. And I think that's, again, obviously that's why you're on our show and we're interviewing you for, for, for that because it stood out to us. But then you, a year later, you go on to make the all nighter and that's a personal favorite of mine. I personally oh. love that movie. And, and I was actually just talking about it the other day because I think um, like Joan Cusack had a birthday or something. And I'm Joni, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I'm looking at the stills from the movie and I'm just like, I watched that movie incessantly back in the day. And like, what a <laughs> fun kind of road trippy kind of film you guys did in that sense of like banding together. And, uh, you know, I think of like movies like Girls Just Want to Have Fun or Shag and The All Nighter could definitely be thrown in there as well as like this kind of bonding film, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And when I met Joan Cusack, we immediately bonded. And she was having issues with a boyfriend at the time that she, cause she came from Chicago. So she was here living with her boyfriend in a one room place or something. And they were having issues. So I went over and I moved her out with trash bags. We didn't have any boxes. I just trash bags, moved her shit, put her right in my single one room apartment, you know, in Hollywood Hills. <laughs> and we were living together through the whole movie. <laughs> oh my God. If Joni and I were, were like freaking frack, it was so fun. That was a crazy movie. That was a crazy movie. I kind of look back at some of the roles I played and I never really, I don't think I ever really got it that I was playing like this blonde, 
these blonde characters, whatever that meant back then, because that actually certainly held a uh, stigma, to, you know, the dumb blonde kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Um, and, you know, I don't think there's anything really wrong with somebody who's, I call them effervescent or, or um, ethereal. Yeah, or, yeah. Or not as uh, mindful of politics as all the rest of us, so they don't get so dark. You know, they're kind of like, oh, you guys do that. I'm going to go over here with the butterflies. You know, I love Mother Earth. And I always love playing those characters who are not like political or too intense. Well, there's I feel like we need more, more people like that these days. <laughs> Get me started. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> For real. Well, yeah, we, we we do go deep on our show sometimes. So feel free to do that if, you, if, you, if you're so inclined. But uh... <laughs> I could go real dark real fast, so, but I don't do that. But there's something, it, it's perspective. I think, you know, uh, I mean, just pop culture reference right now, I think of somebody like Ted Lasso on TV and, and that character and, and how, how um, in, in many ways people say, oh, Zach, you're, you're really, you're like a Ted Lasso guy. You're always upbeat and positive and always looking at things from a certain perspective. We all, that, that's great, you know, but there's also the other side that, that when the lights are off or the, the door is closed and you're not with anybody else and you realize, oh, but there's that other aspect of you as well. And I think you have these, your roles and your characters might've had that, you know, uh, ethereal uh, kind of outlook and very upbeat. But then there's also the backstory of like, well, what's the, Corey specifically is really good with this, but creating a backstory for a character. What got them to where they are to this point where they're bubbly or light. And and there's gotta be a little, there's there's always gotta be balance, right? There's always gonna be that yin and yang, oh, yeah. the, the, the darkness as well. And, um, I, but I, I wanna see more of that too. I love that kind of like, okay, let's just, let's just have some fun. You know, and and I think that's one of the reasons why we love so many movies from the 80s where maybe they don't go super deep in an introspective way. But at the end of it, you're feeling like, OK, I feel good about myself. You know, I can move on with the rest of my day. And that's a good thing. And testament to you for playing the hell out of those roles. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, because at the time it was like, oh, you're going to be tacked as a dumb blonde. And I mean, it bothered me. It only bothered me a little bit because. The society said that I should be bothered by it, that I wasn't considered a serious actor. Yeah. So of course I started doing the drama. And it's interesting because you know, as actors, we used to say, the funnier you are, the darker you are behind all that humor. Yep. So and I think there's a lot of truth to that. If you look at Robin Williams and except with some other cases where you know, if you were really sit down and talk to people who are really funny and light and what have you, I think we all have our demons, we all have our traumas, we all have, I mean, to what degree, right? Yeah. And 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 how much you're running from them or do you just would you bring close and this is why i loved after a while i did do drama heavy drama yeah you did to pull or to kind of like go to that flip side and then there's that beautiful medium which i love that you can be dark and tormented but also funny <laughs> i love those those to me are the best a little bit of everything right like a like a fully rounded character yeah, yeah i think that, that a lot of times though you know yeah, we, we want that that effervescence in, but but having just a touch of like realism, a touch of, of darkness in there. And I think that in Vamp, she had it as well. It's it, or you had it as well. It's just it was it was all there, whether it was on like whether it was in the script or not. It was there, still there in the screen. And I think that helped create a, a well-rounded character that that still stands the test of time. Thank you. And, you know, I got to give Richard that because that was not only my work on who Amaretta was, but it's also in the writing, like you said. Yeah. There was this mystery through the whole movie. 
was she a vampire? And there's something yep. really fun about that. Just when you go, oh, no way, that character is way too cool because she is way too nuts. There's no way they would make her a vampire because she's just too crazy, you know? And then you go, well, wait a minute, that actually could be really interesting that she's all of a sudden bears fangs and, you know, bites Chris, right? So it's kind of like Big Sky. I, I, I don't tweet, but I heard that they think my character's all sketchy and Denise is in on it. And now they think I'm a mole. <laughs> Some followers are all angry now that they think Denise is a, a Denise big sky, that, that I'm like this mole. And I kind of, at first I got my feelings hurt. I'm like, oh my God, how rude. Why would you think Denise is a mole? Who wants to be considered a mole, not me? And I thought, Dee, you're not Denise. Just hold on, honey, stop it. You take a big breath. And I realized that's kind of like Amaretto. You kept them thinking, you kept them wondering. So who knows if Denise is a mole or not? I don't know. And the writers may, may or may not know. We'll find out. Keep watching the show. You'll see, right? Yeah, keep the ratings uh-huh. up. And, keep and I'll going. know when I play it because I haven't, I don't know, right? So, but that's fun when you have a character where, you know, you're like enjoying the journey, watching them like you will with Amaretta and her lightness, but then you don't really know where her darkness is, how deep is her, how dark is her dark? Where is her dark? Yeah she really the light in this piece is she any part of this crazy darkness because you know vamp has all of that um it is a really special film it's one like i said i have um i have some one of my followers they said was, was it you guys or somebody sent me the cup team amaretto shirt it might have been uh, vamp after dark yeah those yeah. are the i love them he sent me all this stuff that i like gonna wear and I want to like take pictures of myself and <laughs> yeah you got to promote it right <laughs> yeah promoting my my first film which is back yeah so long ago because um yeah a team Emma or hashtag Amaretto I mean just like so cute well it, it yeah. you know you and I I think I love that you're so open to talking about your career in that way uh because whether that movie whether certain movies along the way were, were deemed you know good or not they leave a special place with a fandom right there's a fandom behind them and and you got to appreciate that you know oftentimes um one of the things about our show is we we look at a film through a whole lens not just one perspective and say you know look there's a whole team that put this thing together they did not go into this film, uh, you know, we've, and we've talked about movies in the past where the quality hasn't been all that great. But at the end of the day, we say, look, we, there was a team that made this film with the intention that it was going to be good. I mean, you got to cherish that and you got to champion that. And the people who put on those performances, uh, whether it was edited one way or not, they, they worked their asses off and you got to compliment them. And, and, and the fact that, you know, we talk about the all-nighter or you talk about Red Surf or something when you go, oh gosh, we want to talk about that. Like that to me, those are the movies that shaped who we are as film lovers. Personally, it wasn't, you know, The Seventh Seal and it wasn't, um, uh, you know, Nosferatu or it wasn't, uh, you know, Citizen Kane or whatever. For me personally, it was the movies that like I can sit down and watch over and over and over again. And a movie like Vamp is one of those movies I can watch over and over and over again because it has so many layers to it for me personally. And again, it's not for everybody, but it's, it is for us. And that's why you're here. (laughs) Thank you. I think you're talking about the working man's movie. You know what I mean? Yes. Right. The working man's movie. Cause you can see the work that went into these movies. And and there's a lot of factors that go into the final product and ask whether or not it's palatable for people to say, Oh, that is a good movie. Right. Or not. There's a lot of moving pieces that have to work together at the same time for it to produce what one would consider an A-quality film, right? Most films don't have the budget to go back in and make, you know, make sure that that happens. But what you do have 
the way I feel it is everybody goes in to make a movie. Hopefully their goal is to make the best movie they can. No one goes, let's right. go make a piece of shit movie. Let's yeah, exactly. Movie. That. Let's go hire a piece of shit writer and a piece of shit script and a piece of shit actor and a piece of shit writing guy and a piece of shit sound and make a shit movie. I mean, who says yeah. that? No one that I know yeah. any more than wakes up and says, Hey, I want to be an addict. Yeah. I mean, recovery, by the way, but you know I mean? Speaking of light and dark, there you go. Yeah. We're over three years sober. Oh, hey, that's yeah. awesome. Congrats. Congratulations. Everybody who's, you know, recovering from addiction, man, I'm with you. Bros, bays, he, she's, and whatever all in between. Um, <laughs> I'm three years. I get it. I know. Um, during the pandemic, we were all white knuckling. Yeah, but no doubt. All, uh, yeah. Oh, um, going back and, and going back, I mean, you know, I love that you guys said that because I think a lot of people are really hard. Yeah. on not only just movies just in general um there's a lot there's just people are judgy people get really judgy and they forget to look at the the, the bigger picture and all the levels and all the moving pieces yeah to any one project and that can really be anything in life if you think about it right yeah i don't think any chef goes to a restaurant and wants to serve you a piece of shit like meatloaf yeah. something happened in the kitchen i don't know <laughs> i don't think his or her attention was to for you to go, oh, I'm going to give this a bad yelp. That meant <laughs> terrible. Well, and, and then you, you know, and then I feel like if you're going to, you know, poo poo on something like Vamp, you're like, oh, I'm not going to go see that. I mean, you're going to miss so many amazing things about that. I mean, that movie's amazing from beginning to end. And again, I'm saying that as someone who's seen it for the first time in, in 2021, and my takeaways, I, I told Zach, I was like, where's Vamp been my whole life? And Zach's <laughs> like, it's right there. It was, it was right there, and you missed it. Um, but like, for example, like that last, like that last shot when you guys are all we're walking, you know, into the oh, into downtown, so and and the the life starts coming back into the city. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, this is like one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in a movie. This shot right here, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. What it's saying is wonderful. What everything it's doing is wonderful. And we know the backstory behind it and everything, and like how it, you know. But you would miss that. Like, like I'm like you need to see this movie just like it's just there's so many beautiful I, moments you're going to miss if you yeah. just say if you just write things off and just be like no no i don't want to see that you know that's a, that's a dated movie and yeah da, 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 da. okay well all right that's that's fine i mean there's some stuff that um i've seen that's very dated but if you get past that and you actually look at it for what it is there's some really interesting rich stuff to look at study research or what have you do you know what i mean and films are no different yeah. Speaking of rich stuff, um, Corey runs a Seinfeld podcast, and uh, oh! <laughs> so yeah, we just uh, a couple, yeah, a couple. Uh, we're about halfway through season seven, so you know we got to the opposite, you know, uh, a few That's months ago. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I was oh. watching, I was like, I, I know her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How was that experience, <laughs> dude? That was crazy. I mean, my whole career it was. I look back and go, wow, I was just kind of going through the paces and not really ever understanding the magnitude of any one thing that I did until mm. now at 57, I'm reflecting back and people in interviews go, you know that you were insightful in a very monumental episode. And I go, no, I just thought that I got a gig. I finally got yeah. a Seinfeld yeah. back then. That was like the Holy Grail. Like you got a Seinfeld, you were on the map. Right. And they kept interviewing me. I've been interviewed a few times to play an opposite. I'm Jerry. Never got it, never got it. And then by the time this one came around, I said to my agent, why do they keep calling me in? They never pick me. It's just so torturous. And it's like, oh, wow. honey, clearly they liked you. They just can't figure out what to do with you. You know, so just zip it, zipper, go in there and give it your best. Do what you do because you're doing something right. 
you know, I go, no, I'm doing something wrong, you know? <laughs> um, so I went in and I guess I did something right. And I got that and smash cut. How many years later I look back and people like you remind me, Oh shit, that was huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I was doing it, yeah. I didn't get the magnitude of it. Cause I was too busy trying to jump on a well-oiled moving train is what it felt like that crew, that cast, man polished they knew what they were doing they were everybody was like class a and i had never done that before and i was like oh you're just kind of following the lead you know just the deer and the headlights just they point and i would go and do it and um i'm surprised i didn't like (laughs) myself and run off stage and go home and cry because i was a nervous wreck because because i guess i think i did understand (laughs) they were amazing they're amazing well, I mean, you came off perfectly and it, yeah, it, it's such a seminal episode. I'm just like, wow, that's, I mean, that's huge. That's a huge episode right there. And it's a lot of fun that you're seeing and everything's a lot of fun. Well, dude, you know, it's really funny. Actually, just reminded me, my memory's so shot. Um, it was shot back then because Jason Alexander reminded me that I had met him before with George Clooney, because George and I go way back, right? Yeah. Red so, surf. Um, so he goes, do you remember we've met? And I'm going, I'm just so bad. <laughs> now I'd be like, I'm sorry, I have no memory of meeting you. I'm sorry, I just don't. I'm just very transparent. I have to be that way in recovery. But back then I'm like, oh yeah, of course. He goes, yeah, yeah I remember I was in George's car and we came in, we picked you up and we went to lunch. I'm like, yeah, oh my God, how are you? I went back home, we didn't have cell phones back then. And I called George, I go, what the hell? He's like, yeah, dude, he was in the car when we met. I was like, oh shit, I have no memory. He's like, oh, you're doing science? So I go, yeah, he's, that's cool, right? So he goes, D, you met him before. I go, oh, shit, I don't remember. Oh no! Don't tell him you don't remember. I go. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Not his fault that I'm brain dead already at a, the younger t- and young age in my twenties. I was already going brain dead so it's not much better now well at least he didn't call you on that right like uh there's this great comedian named brian regan who does a whole bit on not knowing people's names or or things about them so someone's like hey how are you and he's like hey there buddy my name's not buddy oh yeah do you remember people i call cupcake sugar bunny (laughs) yeah i'm like hey dude what's up hey yeah i'm I'm partial to the guy i'm always like hey guy what's up Oh, what's up, bro? Right? Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I start doing that, my friends go, oh, "Shit, you don't know their name." I'm like, "This is when you jump in and you save my ass and you say, hi, 'Hi, I'm Jill. What's your name?'" And then we both hear it again. There you go. <laughs> it's 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 good to have friends like that. My wife knows if I call someone guy like three yeah. times in a row, she's like, "Okay, I got to find out their name for him." You, you got to have those like partnerships, you know. Yeah. I'm single now, so I just don't leave the house. <laughs> I will get. I go out and somebody inevitable goes, Dee, and I go, oh, I start, I start sh- shaking, going, oh, I know, there's a, I don't know this person. Before I'm around, I know I don't know that person. <laughs> well, you know, and you're talking about two, you're talking about um, with, with being three years sober, which is fantastic, by the way, and, and, and you know, Mazel Tov, I don't know what. <laughs> I'll take all, yeah, yeah. Good yeah. on you. Um, and, and you went through this, the pressure you're talking about with, with, Seinfeld and and wanting to hit it or or getting that next gig right and and getting that next role and chasing chasing constantly chasing and I don't think people necessarily who are uh, in the industry understand that that it's you're constantly having to get that gig and I think a lot of times oftentimes people will say oh yeah but you made that big movie and you got that big contract it's not like that you're a working performer you have to go from one thing to another constantly it's hard 
you're always like when you're in a job and you're like halfway through that, you start immediately future tripping about your next gig. Yeah. You know, and you're always future tripping about your next gig because they say you're as good as your last project. Well, sometimes your last project didn't even get released. Okay. So there you exactly. got that. All yeah. that work and 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 maybe it went right to video. And then, you know, like you were saying, 10 people saw it, but they liked it. Those 10 people liked it, but you know, that's beautiful. But that's not going to help you with your next gig, the yeah. way the industry is set up. Um it was a lot of pressure. It's another reason why 10 years ago, actually now 13 years ago, I was like, oh uh, yeah, Miss Cypress checking out for a minute. I'm going to go get some degrees to help people in the, in the world. Cause I wanted to make, I want to become part of the solution, not the problem by sitting around bitching. And I thought, well, you know, we can all sit and point fingers and bitch, but how about if I actually actively get an education in the arena of things that I'm interested in, which are social welfare issues, right? Awesome. It's awesome. But, but yeah. But um, but the whole the whole industry pressure is um, crazy. I remember I was on a hit show called For Your Love, Warner Brothers. Yeah. Then we, then it got you know like every show it, it came to its end, which is sad. It's another show people really really still follow and they love it. And like not a week later, I went back to Warner Brothers to interview for something else. Already stressing about my next gig, right? right? Um, but I haven't gotten the last check from the, the last episode of the last show I was on already stressing about the next gig, no guarantees I was going to get hired again because we're yeah. all unemployed, you know? And I went back and they were like, and I had a spot there and they said, oh, you, Miss, hey, Didi, how you doing? I go, yeah, I'm just here for an interview. They said, you got to park across the street and then Ooh. go to the booth, go get the, perm, go get the little thing. And then they're going to get you, validate you. And then you have to walk across the street and then you've got to go through. I literally, it, I was like, dude, I just, just rap for your love. And they're like, oh, well, you're not in the show anymore. So that your spot's now gone. Oh, and moment i realized whoa whoa this is some hardcore shit that we as actors go through that like you were saying people this is not woe is me as an actor no 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 it's not that um but less than one percent of actors at any given time do work yeah. some people ask me do you, you know oh what what advice <laughs> i say well damn sure you really want to do it for the right reasons and you better be okay with hearing no a lot yeah if 99.9 percent don't work Remember, 200 might go out for that role. Only one gets it. Right. And, yeah. 199 just told, they were told no. And they could have been, could have probably been better for the role. But who knows why he got what role, right? It's very political sometimes. No, totally. So, totally. Yeah, right. There's a lot of factors that go into it. Yeah. I was going to say, um, I was a, I was a teacher for a number of years. Uh, kindergarten teacher <laughs> and then oh, I, I loved you you have such a good smile oh thanks thanks i appreciate that uh <laughs> it it was a fun it was it, it was not what i expected to get into <laughs> and then i ended up doing it for like 15 years and obviously loved wow. it and then transitioned into uh voice acting and i equated it to being in a long-term relationship versus going out on a date every night and spending a bunch of money on somebody and never hearing from them ever again and being like wait but i thought we had a thing you know <laughs> going through this auditioning process yeah. and and it was a total mind shift for me because i went yeah. from steady constant safe good to suddenly very unstable very insecure all over the place you know, and, and you have to have a fortitude you have to have. And, and I don't know if that comes with getting older, education, spirituality, whatever you find that thing that gets you to a place of not worrying as much anymore or, 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 or not letting the worry take you over. Right. Um, and that's a hard thing for people. I think that's a hard thing for people in general now, especially with the pandemic, you know, 
Oh, yeah, the pandemic, I would hope, has made us all revalue our definition of priorities. Yes. Um, wow, right? Um, I hope. I Some, maybe not so much, and that's all right, that the journey looks different. But you're absolutely right. I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. I think age is certainly one of them. Life knocks and, and how one goes through those knocks, you know? Listen, life's going to throw some shit balls at you. That's called life. Yeah. It's not about whether or not life's going to throw shit balls at you. This is what I tell my teenage boys. I'm a single mom. Look, life's going to throw shit balls at you. It's not about that. So just get over that right now. Just embrace that, lean into it. Okay. It's how you deal with the shit balls being thrown at you. Are you going to dodge them? Are you going to run from them? Are you going to take them between, take it between the eyes? I mean, (laughs) what, 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 you know, are you going to be like, whoa, hold, you know, I mean, you're going to put a mitt on and catch it. I I don't know. I mean, it's both my boys, same dad. Um, but totally different boys. Yeah. Each of them take the knocks differently. Wow, they couldn't be more polar opposite, you know. Um, so there's, you know, there's that too. Um, Through this chaos, you're still filming. You're working, like you said. You 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 went you went back to school. You 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 bettered yourself in a, in a totally different career, and and then but then you transition back to the screen, and mm-hmm. with with Big Sky. And you're continuing to find a lot of success and fun on that show, right? During a very odd time of constantly probably getting tested every week and all that good stuff. Oh, three times a week. My wow, notes violated three times a week. I would say, time, actually, I'm going to be violated today at two o'clock. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I hope your violation goes pleasantly <clears throat> as possible. During the pandemic, when you're isolated, hey. I mean, <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Gotta get your kicks. <laughs> One thing and what's going on? <laughs> you got to take Dallas a read. Freaking wild turkeys and donkeys and shit, which I love. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, the God, you know, one of the world situation and the pandemic and um, everyone's journey. It's, it's, I think that we're all about to go through a lot of change. We're on the, we're not done with this pandemic yet. No. No. Mm-hmm. We certainly are towards the mm, other side of the spectrum of it. And hopefully, like anything in life, what are you going to take from it? Right? Yeah. And if nothing, that's that's okay. That's your journey. Or if you're going to be more angry because of it, that's okay, too. I mean, a lot of people have lost everything and had to rediscover who they are. And inadvertently, accidentally found actually a better life. You know, And they didn't think that could happen. I remember when I was in school... They were saying, no, no, online therapy, no, 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 that's not HIPAA and that's not this. And, you know, and I remember raising my hand going, why not? I know a lot of people, including myself, I, I have a lot of resentment going parking and then going to see my therapist and waiting in the room and pushing the button and having to take a shower. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of resentment around yeah. that. And I'd go in a bitch for the first 15 minutes about how there was traffic. Exactly. And I'm spending 150 bucks on bitching about traffic and your parking. And why did you sit, let me sit out there for five minutes with the light on? Did you not know I was, you know? I'm like, there's a lot of drama going on there and smash cut. Now online therapy is huge because we were forced to make it happen. But back when I was uh, going to school and a psych major, they were like, oh no, they poo-pooed all that. And I remember I was very much that person in school who was raising my hand, 
Dorothy in the back of the, oh God, there's that woman, Dorothy in the back who always raises her hand. I'm like, hi, I have a question. <laughs> Good. We need people like that. <laughs> so the kids, some kids loved me. Some were like, oh God, can she stop asking questions? And I'm like, listen, I'm in my fifties and I'm in college with you young bucks. You're all worried about whether you look good in your jeans or not. I don't give two Fs about what you look in your jeans. I, I got to go pick up my son at soccer practice. I'm trying to figure out what, what, what the lesson is in this to get through this midterm so I can get my license so I can get in the world and try to help people. For real, for real. I'm not messing with you people. Come on. I don't understand what you're just talking about. No one's taking their hand. <laughs> they're just hoping that happy hours tonight we can uh, go get some free drinks you know yeah, they're oh, just... yeah. and then there was oh yeah i drank my whiskey <laughs> <laughs> i did too <laughs> talk about a difference yeah i had my my last year in college with a two-year master's program at ucla before you get all impressed i went to college or the community college route for eight years eight, yeah. eight nine, seven eight years i did the community college Took me all that time to get an AA and a BA because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I had a learning disability that was finally detected in mm. school. I just thought it was stupid growing up. Yep. Mm. And um, then in college, they were like, wait, 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 something's up with you. So they tested me. Sure enough, I had learning disabilities. And once those were accommodated, I started getting A's and Pell Grants. And yeah. Pell, you know? So I went through, talk about feeling insecure. I went through just thinking I was stupid my entire life until, you know, learning disabilities were detected. I got help extra help. And then um, college became a whole lot easier. You dropped a lot of moments there where I'm like, oh my gosh, that's huge. Oh my gosh, that's huge. Uh, one one <laughs> was the fact of online therapy. And I thought about my own personal therapist that I went to back in the day. And yeah, for the first seven minutes, we, we, we bullshitted about practically nothing. And I'm like, wait, this is my time reading up. Oh boy, because you're going to cut me off at the hour mark and we're going to be split, you know. About 15 minutes if you really want to go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, right. But then um, the, in, the, in the learning disability part and, 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 and thinking you were stupid, um, I think that was one of the reasons why I wanted to be a teacher back in the day because I wanted to right the wrongs of the things that had happened to me as a kid. You know, oftentimes people are like, oh, I was so inspired by this teacher. Oh, I had a, uh, there was a carpenter that I loved his woodwork and that's why I wanted to be a carpenter. That's fine. That's awesome. Like, I wish the world was more like that. But then I had the opposite where it was like, oh, this guy was a dick. <laughs> you know? Oh, you God, know, This right? was a terrible teacher who told me I was a horrible artist or whatever. And then you want to write those wrongs. So you go through life feeling that you're stupid, feeling that you're less than. Yeah. But you, you became an actor <laughs> where everything. How that happened, dude, right? <laughs> It, it, it's so kind of torturous, right? But but in a way, like psychologically, you dig deep and like there's something there. Maybe you're like, well, but this this you were able to bring out another side of yourself to compensate for this feeling of like I'm stupid. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and I'm so glad it's diagnosed now. You're saying, you know, you said that because of the pandemic, we were forced to do these certain things. Mm-hmm. Feeling getting people to learn that there is a learning difference, there's a disability, whatever you want to call it at a time when you were like, no, you're dumb. You're, you're, you're a lost cause. You're going to flunk out of school. I graduated in 82. Yeah. So if you do math, when I went to school, there was a a math and reading group, one, two, and three. Yeah. That's it. Two were all the average kids and three were, were the Bobby who ate paste and all the rest of us they didn't know what the hell was going on with us because there was no such thing as assessing for learning disabilities right right? 
I now become this huge advocate for bodies who eat paste. I'm like, do not mess with my body. I will fuck you up. Yeah. <laughs> now that turned out to be my calling later in life because they shoved me because I was told you're this. Yep. And I yep. believed that my entire life until I got to college and they said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hmm, isn't that interesting, huh? It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I'm so glad you're doing that. Obviously you're entertaining us, you know, uh, in, in one way, but you're also giving back in, in another. And that's a, that's not something that everybody has the opportunity to do. And, and the fact that you're a mom and you're raising your kids, single mom and shout out to all single moms, you know, we oh, like yep. all and single dads, yep, sing, sing, yep. single peeps. I got, Oh, I get you. Yeah. yeah. yeah Zach, Zach and I were both uh, uh, raised by our mom. So, you know, mad, mad oh, respect. See, I love that. Can you guys look at you here? And this inspires me because I got a 15 year going on 36. And then I got a 19 year old who moved out before I got here to Albuquerque and he's out there and on his own. And, um, well, he's not too far as living with my sister. <laughs> now he's living in his grandma's guest house. But anyways, I'm not making a breakfast anymore and it breaks my heart. Um, yeah. But, you know, you never really, speaking of that, talk about jumping around, but the whole parenting, I would say you never really know whether or not, you know, um, like, oh, you must be such a great mom. I'm like, are you kidding me? There are days I feel like I'm on my game. I'm like, oh yeah, man, I'm a good mom today. Look at me, I got an A on the mommy report card. Other days I am failing. I got an yeah. F. Yeah. My kids will tell me. <laughs> yeah. Like, that my lane, mom. I wish I never would have caught them that. You are all in my lane. Get out of my lane. And I'm like, ah, oh. you know. Um, and especially when I was in my addiction, but, uh, as anybody who's, you know, suffering from alcoholism, which was my thing, I was a high, high functioning alcoholic. But nevertheless, there's some shit back there that's not very pleasant for them or me to have to remember. I'm, uh, that's really whew, hard to say. Yeah. And but it's my truth. Yeah. It's part of my history back there yeah. there is healing back there but the healing is in the now and what i can do now is tell them that i love them and this is what recovery looks like i get to show them this is what recovery looks like you know they now they saw what it looked like when their mom was in their disease and now they know what it looks like to be in recovery and to be sober and to be accountable right and transparent and um if god forbid they ever have any issues with addiction or mental health because I was also riddled with trauma. Oh, the trauma was stupid. Um, that they now know, they, that they know their mom's a soft landing. That's all I can do. I can't. But that he, I mean, that healing that you're, you're going through and, and you're talking about, it, it also, you know, hearing it also helps other people because I feel like yeah. we, we see so much, you know, we see the disease nine times out of 10. We don't see the person uh, who, who's fought it, who's still fighting. I know it's, a, it's an ongoing thing, um, but someone who's living with recovery, but that is just as necessary to our fabric of society for us to see the path. Because sometimes it's just all a person needs is like, what's the path? So I can at least go on it, you know, and you're offering, you know, just by your existence kind of offers a path for people or to, to show them. And that is never, that should never be like understated, you know, that, that, that should, that is huge right there. It's understated because there's shame yeah. that's riddled and it revolves around any addiction. It doesn't matter what your DRC is, your drug of choice, alcohol, heroin, meth, sex, gambling, what have you. Anything that's to an obsessive point where it's, it's affecting us in a negative way is an addiction. And then you throw in addiction's best friend is trauma. They love each other. Yeah. Undiagnosed, untreated trauma. You throw those together and you've got a nice mixture for either somebody, unfortunately, who's probably gonna be out on the streets or someone like me, high functioning and running and hiding my entire life up until 
finally I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's exhausting. I'm killing myself. And yeah. it was true. Right. But so people need to know that there are high functioning alcoholics or addicts and that the shame is real. Social stigma is real. Yep. If people like me and the Robert Downey Jr's, all the other people out there that are going, Hey, like Robert said something so funny the other day. I don't know him personally, but oh, I'd love to. I mean, his sobriety just inspires the shit out of me. Yeah, it's amazing. He got a lot of heat when he got sober, and they they said a lot of shit about him that really made me mad. But anyways, he was like, you know, I'd love to I think have a glass of wine with dinner sometimes. But then I remember I have plans for Christmas, and I'm like, right? <laughs> that is such an addict thing to say because it takes one drink or yeah. one hit of meth or one episode of gambling or whatever, or just you know, if you're if it's sex or whatever, right? Once yeah. you start in the rabbit hole of the behavior, all that shame comes back and it's tenfold. And yep. sometimes you don't make it back. I've had to bury three people. Two were, two were my son's friends from addiction. And one I went to rehab with in his twenties. I mean, it's just, and I'm, my story's not rare. No. It's, but I think if I can help be part of the conversation, I'm helping a little bit. If I can be transparent about my journey. Yeah, I went to rehab. It was embarrassing to no end in the sense that I was in my fifties through menopause. Did he fucking fight? And I'm on the floor crying to strangers I've never before, never been more vulnerable. And it saved my life. And I love those people that I was crying with for a month straight when I, and, you know, was isolated from society, no phone, no computer, did not see my children, did not see anybody for 30 months intensive inpatient. Wow. And then I did a year in intensive outpatient. And I love addicts in recovery. We're awesome people. We are textured, man. We got stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got I, stories I, that make movies. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I had a I ran a summer camp this past summer, a Greek mythology summer camp. I actually talked to Richard about it. He's like, I wish I had that when I was a kid. It was like with oh actors. Oh my god, and, me too. Yeah, it was amazing. It was like five weeks in, uh, it totally immersive, amazing stuff. And one of my employees, uh, she was in recovery and very young. And, uh, and, and she and I became good friends and, and she needed a mentor. I recognize that. And I recognize that as just as a teacher in general, but, and how valuable that is. And especially like you said, you, you are a voice for the people, uh, supporting them and, and, and with, with no judgment, you know, like you said earlier, there's some people are so judgy taking this back to the beginning of the uh, interview. People can be so judgy about things. And, and I, myself, battle with judgment i think we oh, all do i think here on my soapbox yeah we all yeah. do and so just, i have to catch myself and go or my son will say mom that's so not like you because every once in a while i'll get a hair up my you know what and i'll be all he's like it's very judgy and i'm like i oh, know and then I'll be like, wow that you're right it didn't feel good for a minute it did <laughs> and, then I'll be out, and then i'm like that was ugly that, that, that was ugly. But, but sometimes we have to wear all the faces like sometimes exactly. we have to experience all the emotions you know yeah. Yeah. Just listen, yeah. at the end of the day, I'm not trying to be a saint. I'm not. No, a, I'm you're a human. I'm not religious for health. Why would I want to be a saint? Yeah. Spiritual. I believe in Mother Earth. I believe in something greater than me. I totally believe in paranormal, paranormal and aliens. I'm in New Mexico. I got a little Casper going on in my house. Something in the sky the other night. I woke up at 4.30 with a headache. I haven't had a headache in a thousand years. Literally, literally since I um drank. So I woke up at 4.30 with a raging headache. But I woke up and I was like, what the heck? And I look up at the sky and there's this light but it was odd long and oh. it was kind of floating yep it was flying but floating and i thought oh i don't have my glasses so i got my glasses i look up and i'm like oh i need some advil and i never take advil i'm like oh this one's this one's a zinger i'm taking advil and i look and as i was looking at it it disappeared ah. and i went 
wait, what? What? If that's a plane, why did they just go black in the sky? So I waited. Even with a throbbing headache, I was like, oh, I'm going to see that thing resurface again because I think I just saw one. I think I just spotted a UFO. I think I did. I think I did it. And I was sitting there on the couch with a raging headache for a good five minutes. And then a plane came in the other direction. And I went, oh, my God, that's a plane. What I saw was not that. Yep. That's and that awesome. thing never came back, whatever it was. And I went and got my Advil and I laid on the couch and went, no one's going to believe me. <laughs> I just saw a UFO and I don't care if they believe me. But I, all of a sudden I felt like I was one of those people who talk about it. People think they're nuts. And I thought, I'm one of them now. I know what I saw. Yeah. You're like, but I know what I saw. <laughs> and, and, I, I, and I I want it too much. So I never see anything. Yeah, you want it. And every, time, you want and every time I'm out here in, uh, in in Oregon hiking in the woods, I'm like, come on, Sasquatch, show me. But come on, no, Sasquatch. Come on, come on. Together. Yeah. I know people are literally like, I'll go have, I'll have a beer with that guy. I'm like, me too. Yeah. I mean, something brushed against my leg in the kitchen. Now remember, nope. I'm in Albuquerque. Something brushed up against my leg in the middle of the night. And I looked down and it was not my Rottweiler or my cat or my cockatoo because she was sleeping and i looked down and of course i wrote it off as oh it must have been some weird vein with some blood running through i mean immediately try to write it off yeah yeah stopped and said wait a minute dd did something just brush up against your leg and i was like yeah and i went no one's gonna believe me because <laughs> <laughs> because you have to, if you have to do that much mental gymnastics to kind of try to logically write it off it's like no just just lean into it you know what i mean I really want to believe in it so bad that when it actually has happened to me now, I'm so like, wait a minute, I have to make sure. Because people think I'm nuts anyways. This is not going to help. Yeah. <laughs> but if I'm running around saying that I'm feeling things that aren't there, I'm seeing things that are disappearing, they're going to be like, okay, my friends who are social workers are going to 5150 me, right? Oh. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, but um, here in New Mexico, they embrace all of that. Yeah. You know, they've had three shamans in the area that I'm living in before I rented this house I'm in, they had three shamans come in, shamans come in and uh, do major, major work on this little area that I'm in because there's some, the neighbors were having, all of them were having issues with um, some energies. Yeah, yep. That were having, I guess you'd probably say having troubles moving on. They were creating some ruckus, scaring their children, scaring even the adults, the animals were spooked. And I was like, well, wait a minute, did you scare them all away? Cause I want to like, like have a beer with them, but I want to have a coffee with them. You know? Just bring, bring one over here. Just come on, just leave one in my house. It's okay. I get nervous that it'll turn into the entity, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you don't have foil on your head though. So you're pretty good to go. You have a little funky hair thing going on. Too, That's a little, little it's video. Samurai my my foils, my foils in the closet. So I'll get it later. <laughs> but I have to tell you, this is, been such an honor to have you on our show and and talk to you as a person not just like hey i'm promoting big sky on abc coming i know. did land that a few times because i <laughs> want to be employed and i want abc to fire me no because all my interviews about <laughs> like paranormal stuff and addiction and they're like remember you're on the sky no that's what i that's what that's why i just said you know watch big sky on abc um you're awesome uh, and, and this has been a pleasure. Damp is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, really well, is. <laughs> you know, I, I think to take the time and to be as, as vulnerable and candid with us, I don't care raw, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Some people don't have a problem with it. Some people do like the fact that you are so open, uh, to talk about anything and everything. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. This has really been a beautiful, beautiful um, time with you guys. Really awesome. Where can we catch uh, Big Sky again? 
Oh, yeah. Big Sky Thursday nights, 10 p.m. ABC. That's a new night. Last season, we were Tuesday. This season, we're Thursday night. But you can binge us on Hulu if you missed the first season or the first three episodes, which have already aired. Yeah. There you go. There you go. And Denise, uh, this season, we find out she carries a Glock. Oh, nice. Back in heat. <laughs> that means like the writers always write these little things and then we go what does that mean and the audience is like i figured it out and i'm like glad you have because i have i i don't know yet i don't have the next script <laughs> move over john wick um <laughs> <laughs> he's carried the glock I, it is montana yeah like, yeah yeah it makes sense you know <laughs> and plus you have all these crazy people running around killing everybody of course you carry the gun <laughs> <laughs> i mean montana <laughs> <laughs> Um, we look forward to who knows one of these days running into you at a yeah have me back when this when the show keeps the show keeps going things are going to happen like crazy so um, I mean I'm guessing I have no idea we better <laughs> if you want to start season we better start making it a little yes yeah, right sausage. some cheddar <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well thank you so much for being on thank you so much this was a huge huge honor thank you my honor thank you so much Aww. take care have a beautiful day you too bye bye. Thank you for listening to Podcasting After Dark's exclusive interview series with D.D. Pfeiffer. And, as always, thank you for your support. On the winter solstice, when the lasting darkness threatens to descend upon the land of Atalan once united, Magi in training, Wilt Garen, and his shepherd, warrior in training, Bredain Adair, must find an ancient lost weapon before the ultimate ancient evil returns to the world of Aeos. Hi there, I'm ADL Jackson, writer of the First Noel's Chronicle podcast. The First Noel is an epic, family-friendly adventure told in serialized form. Think of it as Lord of the Rings meets, well, Christmas. Join us each week for the next thrilling chapter of The First Noel, now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and all major podcasting apps, as well as Kindle Vela if you want to take a read. Thanks, and see you in Adelan. The winter tell is almost here.